0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH. because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J.
1: The better to see you with, Ken. The skies have cleared.
0: Yes, it is a rare sight here in upstate New York, but we actually have sunshine right now. I know. And after the past week from the Canadian wildfires... It is weird seeing the sky and summer looking like normal.
1: Yes. Uh, and if you live in the Northeast, highly recommend uh, change your air filters. Yes. On, on everything. Even if you had it done, change
0: them again. Yes. Yes, indeed. But don't change the dial of what you're listening to right now because you are tuned into the sports edition of the ODPH and we definitely want to interact with you. So, Pad, where does everybody swing on over to? ODPHpodcast.com. Social media accounts T public store link, Patreon link, blogs, directory classified section where you can find friends of the show such as 3 Fun Podcast Dragon Master Games and so many more a music section which is featuring the return of the shout at the robots Ooh. definitely want to plug them they had a great live show yesterday as we record I was mad we could not get down there but we had a little business to take care of talking to Matt Groom from Inferno Go Red and definitely want to check that episode out if you're in the comics I'm just putting that out there right now but if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH you can find it right there on ODPHPodcast.com, and always remember on social media to use the hashtag odph pod but let's kick off the sports edition by giving the congratulations out to the denver nuggets for the first time in their 47 year history yes for the first time in their franchise history they are nba world champions yeah so let us recap the game that was, the series that was. There's a lot that is going on. So let's talk about that final game, Pad.
1: Yeah, so the Denver Nuggets ended up winning by the final score of 94-89. to 89. Uh, Let's see. You had Nikola Jokic uh, score 28 points. Michael Porter Jr. had 16 points. Uh, you had Jamar, uh, Murray score 14 points. And then on the Miami side of things, Jimmy Butler scored 21 points. Bam Adebayo scored 20 points. Uh, And then Max Struss scored 12 points.
0: Well, this series and the game can simply be defined as Denver wanted it more. Mm -hmm. Denver was not scared of the spotlight. Denver wanted to make it very well known throughout the league that they are the real deal. Right. And through the play of Jokic and Murray, they... Made that statement very, very clear. Yeah, oh, yeah, they did. That they won nearly every game by at least ten points.
1: I don't think they lost a home court game in the playoffs until what was a game two of the NBA Finals,
0: right? Because game one they won one hundred four to ninety three. Game two, Miami stole one in a very wild ending with yeah. by winning one eleven to one hundred eight. Denver won game three at Miami one hundred nine to ninety four, mm-hmm. and it was almost like déjà vu. Game four was Denver one hundred eight to ninety five. Right, and then as we just alluded to, back home in Denver ninety four to eighty nine. Which got to my own horn, called it exactly. You and Brian Wayne from Cheers to Comics, who I know is still out celebrating, <laughs> yeah, that win. Yeah, he is. Have always said about Denver. Brian's been screaming about Denver the entire preseason though too. So right. we definitely have to give him his flowers on that. But it all goes back to what they built here, and even looking at that box score. There is a couple things that are very telling about this final game. Mm -hmm. The one that jumps out to me, and I know, Pat, you've also mentioned this off air, is the starters for both teams. Yeah. When you nearly have all five starters in double digits. Uh Uh-huh. Chances are you're winning that game.
1: Uh, so the only person on the Denver starting five who didn't score double digits was Aaron Gordon. Although at that point you didn't really need it. Michael Porter Jr. 16 points as I mentioned. Jokic had 28 points as I mentioned. Murray 14 points as I mentioned. KCP 11 points as I mentioned. Oh by the way, off the bench you had Brown score 10 points, which that don't that don't hurt. Flip side though with Miami, Butler scored 21 like I mentioned. Uh, Bam had twenty, as I mentioned, uh stress at twelve, as I mentioned, but then Kevin Love only had three, although you're not getting much out of Kevin Love these, right. days, these days, you know he's 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 more moral support than anything mm-hmm. you know, and then you had uh Vincent only score six points,
0: so eh. you exactly if you're gonna match up against teams such as Denver, who was well rested was a buzzsaw through the playoffs, yeah, and really had teams worried about if they were gonna be facing him in their rounds. To get to the finals, we weren't sure what we were going to get out of them. They answered it very, very quickly. They wanted this worse than Miami. Yeah, they did. Not worse than Jimmy Butler. No. Because Jimmy Butler's heart carried them through this entire playoffs. Right. We always say about who has that mentality of Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. The only answer is Jimmy Butler in this current NBA stage. Right. And you can't say otherwise. He wanted it worse than anybody.
1: I'll say Jimmy won, let's not forget. Jimmy Butler won Eastern Conference Finals MVP. And and he accepted that award, but then when it came time to hoist, you know, the trophy mm-hmm. for for them winning the Eastern Conference, I forget which teammate he told. He told one of his teammates though, you know, I want to hold the next one. Yeah. So he passed up holding the Eastern Conference
0: tro- trophy for the Larry O'Brien trophy. And that's just how he's been Throughout his entire career, yeah, but especially in this playoff series where they had to win to stay in because they were they lost the first playoff game. They went on the longest road
1: possible to get to these NBA finals, like like you mentioned. You know, they they played their first playing game in mm-hmm. the playing tournament, lost. So then they went to the the next round of the playing tournament, which was a win or go home. You know, won that game, so they moved on to the first round of the NBA finals, where oh, you know. Good friggin' luck, guys. You're only going up against the Milwaukee Bucks, who just won the the title, you know, a couple of years ago in 2021. Mm-hmm. So beat them, face the New York Knicks in the second round, who were, you know, surging team. Everybody, everybody in New York's behind. Oh, could they do something special? Beat the Knicks and then went into the Eastern Conference Finals still as the eighth seed, still like the first or silly, the second, maybe third team in, in NBA playoff history to get that far, mm-hmm. you know, as an eighth seed, you know, against the Boston Celtics, who were the two seed, you know, and I think if you did a straw poll back then of who do you think is going to win Miami or, or Boston, I think a lot of people would have said Boston, it was skewed. Now I'm not saying like a huge double, you know, double-digit lead, but what a skewed lean towards Boston. But they pulled off that upset. Mm-hmm. So it's like, shit, you know, the clock's hit midnight here and Cinderella's slipper's still on their foot.
0: Yeah. But they gave all they could, but it wasn't enough to match up to a team that was built through the draft. The organization stood by, even with all the injuries they had. Jamal yeah. Murray had one yeah. of the worst ACL injuries I've known. Yeah, that's and, what I've heard. And came back and played at such an elite level mm-hmm. that – When you have a team that is trusted by management that much, chances are you're going to do very well, especially in this day and age of the sports where you're here today, gone today. Right. And there's been many examples of disposable contracts, and we'll just put it mildly, (laughs) where people don't last too long for teams and you can't build that chemistry. That's the one thing you saw with Denver throughout this playoffs. Right. Is they felt very comfortable with each other. And the sense of they knew if somebody was taking a shot, they had full faith in him. Because I know at one point there was a question about Yochic passing off to Jamal Murray right. and not getting the final shot. Right. And you saw he I believe to paraphrase in the press conference, he's like, I know he knows what he's doing. I wasn't worried at all and it didn't bother me. Right. And that goes to show about how much faith this team had in each other. And when they got on the floor, they wanted to make sure that there was no question that they are an elite team in this NBA franchise. Right. You know, league. Like I say, this franchise has always been kind of thought as an afterthought.
1: Right. And they've flown under the radar the last couple of years. I mean, because you've got the the Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors narrative. You've got the LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers narrative. You know, you've got, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks and, and Giannis narrative. You know, the Boston Celtics and, and their narrative, you know, and, and all the other little, you know, the Phoenix Suns, you know, mm-hmm. this year. So they've been able to fly under the radar the last couple of years because, you know, sure, you've got Jokic and sure, you've got Murray. But, like, they're not huge megastars like some of those other players, like a Steph Curry, right. or a Bron James. Like, Jokic is a star. But in terms of, like... You know, savvy, worldwide known. He's not yet. He is going to be with with this title win, but it's been that kind of benefit for them that they've been able to fly under the radar. Which not going to be the case going forward.
0: No, I definitely won't because I think now you're going to see a lot of teams in the league try copying
1: them. Right, and the other thing too is once that schedule comes out for this upcoming season, every team, every game they're on the road. That home team is going to have that date circled on their calendar they're like, hey, defending champs are coming in, coming into town. We got to step up.
0: Well, they're going to be the benchmark because they gave the blueprint of how to do this. I mean, if you think about their road to get to the finals, which I have pulled up, take a look at who the teams they faced.
1: So they faced the Minnesota Timberwolves in the first round, who they beat four games to one. Uh, None of those games were real close. Mm -hmm. Uh, Closest one was the one uh, on April 25th, where they won uh, 112-109. to Second round, they faced the Phoenix Suns, who they beat four games to two. Uh, And then in the conference finals, they beat the Los Angeles Lakers, who they swept in four games.
0: And when you do that comparison, too, we all had Phoenix as the outright number one yeah. was going to run away with it once they got yeah. Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah, And look what happened. yeah, Because yeah. that team does not have chemistry. No, they don't. Sorry. I know we're going to get some DMs about that. but Can't in-
1: build chemistry in three weeks.
0: Exactly. And no matter what, do you want to try saying? Kevin Durant, great player. but One of the greats, yeah. But you always see when he's on the court with somebody else, and it just wasn't the same. And you see this Denver team that, one, had no fear. Right. That didn't care about what any analysts had to say about them. They just went out and balled. Right. And with that kind of swagger, that's gonna carry you so far. It's oh, not God, like yeah. it's not like Memphis where I'm sorry, it didn't get backed up at times. Right. Because players were too busy about what they were talking and not what they were walking. About other things. Yeah. And you saw how a, a veteran team, to put it mildly, in the Lakers handled Memphis. Right. So on the flip side, you still had a Denver team who, like I say, almost mirrors to a degree with a Memphis. Sure. But they played very quietly and under the radar, and they trusted each other with taking shots and, and with their schemes of offense and really had faith in each other. I mean, that's the, it's kind of the crazy thing to think about when you're talking teams mm-hmm. because some teams will get out there and it's just kind of like talent over teamwork. Right. This was teamwork over talent for denver yeah and it's a crazy scenario to portray but seriously you take a look at what they did and Jokic was passing up shots he could have nailed in easily right to get his other teammates involved right it's one of those low-key elements of his game that gets slept on a lot
1: that's one of the the nice things about this team is especially the starting five is none of them you really hear stories about oh well they're a ball hog Mm -hmm. oh oh they prefer to get you know, the final shot in crunch time. Yeah. That, like, if they're like, yeah, if I'm up and cool, if not,
0: sure. Yeah, and Yochik, I always know it's like a bad rap because he passes a lot to kind of pads. It, it, it comes off to some as these patent stats. Sure. But if you're also up that much and you want to try making a little notoriety, that's okay, too. Like I say, I, I understand the argument yeah. for it. Yeah, I get it is it's also in this day and age too like he's just a different cat
1: I think he I think he understands kind of like what his role is in that he's a two-time you know NBA MVP mm-hmm. that he's going to draw a lot of looks yeah that he he understands okay I'm going to if I do this I'm gonna draw a double team which means inevitably someone's gonna be open yeah I gotta find that open man
0: Mm-hmm. and next season he's really gonna have problems yeah he is I fully believe that. But we'll get into that as we're kind of wrapping up with the season and what to look forward to. Because the one thing, another point I should say, that the series definitely showed was Miami played with a lot of grit. Yeah. But grit only got them so far.
1: Jimmy Butler is that dude, but he can't do it by himself.
0: Right. He has that mentality, but he needs help. Kyle Lowry was not that guy. Kyle Lowry's 37 years old. The
1: the fact that he played or had flashes as – often as he did, was astounding.
0: Yeah. Bam Adebayo. He's developing. He's developing, but I think he he's also somebody that they hype up a lot. Yeah, I get that vibe. And it's not to say it's not justified, but it's the potential. Right. Because we've seen flashes, but we haven't seen consistency. Right. And that is something you need to be in this, these playoffs. Tyler Hero was hurt. Right. Definitely have to factor that into. Yeah. Miami definitely came in banged up, but it shows up how great Jimmy Butler is. Yeah. I know we don't throw him in the same category as a Giannis, as a Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. Should be, though. He makes a great argument, but the thing is, during the regular season, we don't see this. But he just needs to get in the playoffs, and he flips that switch. It's almost like in hockey, too, where you have a goalie that does okay throughout the year. Sure, sure. But they get in the playoffs, and they just get in a zone. And all of a sudden... They're carrying their teams to the finals. Right. So it's almost like in the same vein with Jimmy Butler. But it shows, like, he definitely needs some help if he's going to compete. He needs somebody. He he definitely needs somebody. He needs somebody that's going to put up 20 a game. I'm not saying he needs, like, another two guys or you need another, like,
1: you know, three superstars. But, like, get him somebody down there that, like, you know, that can draw off some of the attention that's on him. And that you can trust. Because, I'm sorry, nothing against Kevin Love. He's more moral support than anything
0: these yeah, days. Yeah, this stage, yeah.
1: You know, and Udonis Haslam, God bless his soul, you know, for as great as he's been over these years, you know, playing in, in NBA Finals in three different decades. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's not going to be there anymore. And and Kyle Lowry, his best days are behind him. So there go three guys off of that starting, off that off that bench and that, those starters on that roster that you can, you can count on. You know, Bam, sure, but, you know, he hasn't shown me yet that I can depend on him for to draw some of the looks off Kyle Lowry, or not Kyle Lowry, uh, Jimmy Butler. But, you know, I'm looking at some of the other ones. You, you got Vincent and you got Max Struss. Like, sorry, they're not putting any fear into me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not saying you got to go get, you know, a Russell Westbrook and then a uh, another, or like a, you got to get like a James Harden and a Dame Lillard to go along with Jimmy Butler. You need somebody, though. Mm-hmm. You know, cause I think the days of you know the, the super teams and the in the three, four, five all stars on the team are going to phase out. I think the ones we see around will be there until they phase out. Mm-hmm. But I think going and I think you're starting to see this with the Boston with, you know, the Milwaukee and and with Denver that you're seeing these. Okay, you got one, maybe two superstars and then a bunch of great role players around them.
0: Yeah, and that goes back to arguably the greatest era of basketball, in my opinion. That's the 90s. Right. Like, you always had a superstar on one team. Sure. And they didn't want to team up with everybody. Sure. They wanted to work with the team they had made everybody on their team better. Sure. And that's what carried them through. Sure. The Bulls were just an anomaly onto themselves. Oh, yeah.
1: But that also yeah. shows
0: of how great Jordan was. Right. And then how he made Pippen into a great player. Right. And even Dennis Rodman. And you understood his role on the team. Right. So, like I say, when you had that three-headed monster right. going through the finals, yeah, there's no question why they had to, that success. And every team has been trying to copy it since. Right. but And even now – when we went through the super team era, right? Because like you touched upon, I, I think that's dead in the water. I think if any, I think, so. I think if anybody's still questioning if it works, take a look at Brooklyn this past year. Yeah,
1: that's why I say you'll see. Golden State will stick around. You know, we'll see what happens with Draymond. Draymond's a free agent in the off season. You know, but I, do, I don't think, barring anything bizarre happening, we're going to see a whole bunch of super teams show up. To, to me, it's like when I was growing up that, like, everyone wanted to put a custom spoiler on the back of every car. Mm-hmm. That that was the popular thing to do. It was like, oh, I'm going to go buy, you know, a Mitsubishi Eclipse or, or this Chevy or this whatever, and I'm going to throw a custom spoiler on the back because that was the cool thing to do. You know, it's been the cool thing to do in the NBA for the last 10 years, 15 years?
0: Uh, 15, it feels like.
1: 15, it feels like. To go, oh, we got to get three, four mega stars, put mm. them together, and that's going to help us automatically win the championship because we have all the talent and none of our opponents do. Like it had its time, it had its place. It's it's in the rearview mirror now, and we're ba- we're in this new phase, or maybe it's an old phase that's come back into style again.
0: Well, it's a question that we're going to see this off season because the super team era, for what it was, just is fading out. Yeah, and you don't have. The era of Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett. Right. You know, like those days where they worked and worked successfully for many, many years. Right. You know, all coming into factor as well. And then you think about seeing it most recently again with Brooklyn and how quickly that dissolved. And now that franchise is, you know, in a lot of dire straits, to put it mildly. Yeah. You have to take a look at how Denver did this when winning the finals, and that's why I say you're going to see a lot of teams trying to copy that style going into the offseason. Right. Because Miami, they know what they need. They are they need some shooting help. Yeah, they they, do. they need somebody that's going to drop 20 a game yeah. to help Jimmy Butler because yeah. right now on that roster, they don't got that guy. Nope. He's not there. No. Denver is going to go into this offseason obviously questioning, can they make a run back? Because the one thing about pro athletes is once you get a taste – of victory mm-hmm. are you still hungry for more right and a lot of times we don't see that hunger back the following year we, we you see it out of certain teams though mm-hmm. certain teams are wired to win every year right but there's a lot of teams that are happy to win that one and done i'll say not everybody is is of that
1: tom brady mentality where when tom brady was playing you'd ask him oh what's your favorite championship and he'd always tell
0: you the next one yeah
1: you know some guys are built like that i would argue jimmy
0: butler's built like that jimmy butler is definitely built like that
1: you know but do you get the guys who like okay they get their one now they know they're gonna get paid so then they just want the money
0: yeah because they feel it's like it's not worth the work to get back in my opinion right that they don't want to go as hard as they always have if they can make a quick paycheck and and just kind of coast.
1: Not everybody can be a Bill Russell or Yogi Berra and win like 10
0: of those damn things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it all comes down to talent over teamwork or teamwork over talent. What side of the fence are you on? Right. And we saw with Denver, it was teamwork over talent, even though they have immensely talented players. Oh, yeah. They played team ball. Yeah. And this is what carried them through, that they went in as the proverbial underdog for pop culture the sports, the sports world did not think that they were going to do this at the beginning of the season. No. They carried that chip on their back through the entire year. Yeah, they did. And even after winning, they still kept it classy. Jokic shaking everybody's hand on Miami, which, I, which you don't see in sports.
1: Right. No, not a lot.
0: Not a lot. No. But he is somebody that his aura has kind of really spread throughout this team and gave them an identity. Right. And the question is going to be for next season is, can they carry it through and what are – other teams going to do to adapt to this well
1: for what it's worth i'm looking at their offseason free agents they don't have a lot of free agents uh, they've got eight of them uh they got bruce brown jr who has a player option though so he probably won't leave anywhere uh ishmael smith who is an unrestricted free agent he's got an early bird jeff green deandre jordan thomas bryant reggie jackson colin gillespie and jack white yeah so nobody like huge and major like oh shit they're gonna lose jamal murray yeah like there's, there's a couple of names, but it's, they're, they're going to retain most of their guys.
0: They're going to keep their core for the most part, but yeah. it just depends on how bad do they want it. And the question is, how bad do the other teams in the league want it? Because now it is a copycat league. Oh, yeah. And they're going to be having a lot of coaches trying to scheme against what they did in the playoffs it's a
1: long time between now and the opening night and there's a lot of time for those coaches to watch all that tape
0: mm-hmm. so it's gonna be the question of what can Denver do to remain on top if they want to stay on top and the other teams in the league I think they're going to be looking at the free agents that are available yep. and saying who can we add to our team but you're not going to see any crazy super teams getting formed you're going to see a, a big player get moved yeah oh yeah but yeah. you're but you're not going to see it's it. not
1: gonna be like a couple of the couple of years where it's like oh my god we've got like four five six guys moving
0: yeah I think the safest bet is Damian Lillard is out of Portland. Dame
1: is leaving Portland. Yeah, that's a safe bet.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably the same. Bradley Beal out of Washington, I think, is going to happen. There as well.
1: are there are currently, as we record, rumors that they're going to look. At, they're looking into shopping him. Yeah, and that uh, was there's a couple teams interested.
0: Mm-hmm. And you have to be, in, and then you have to take a look at an already established team that just can't get it done. Boston, I'm looking right at them. Jalen yeah. Brown,
1: Boston, uh, Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, you, there's going to be a lot of questions to get answered. But for right now, it's Denver's world. Yeah. We live in it.
1: And we got to give Denver some credit, too, because they're the first team in the Western Conference, not from the state of California or the state of Texas, to win the NBA championship since the uh, Seattle Supersonics did it back in
0: 1979.
1: That's a wild stat. So, yeah, of the teams that have done it the since 1979, the Los Angeles Lakers, California, have done it ten times. The San Antonio Spurs have done it five times. That's the state of Texas. Mm. The Golden State Warriors did it four times. That's the state of California. The Houston Rockets did it twice. That is the state of Texas. And the Dallas Mavericks did it once. That is the state of Texas.
0: That's an insane thing to think about. It's kind of crazy. It definitely is. But this is going to be something that we might be seeing a changing of the guard, so to speak. And we're all going to have to wait to see how everything shakes up going into the off season, and obviously with the trade rumors getting a lot of time now because after the parade is done for Denver, yeah. there's going to be a lot of news coming out.
1: Oh, yeah, there is.
0: There's going to be one subject that we haven't talked about a lot, and I think that... It's for
1: a certain person down in Memphis. Yeah,
0: that we just have to wait to see what's going to happen there. We already gave our opinions of an idea what's going to happen, and yeah. I, think, I think there's a lot of smoke to that fire. Yeah. Unfortunately, but... Yeah. As we said, we've covered that in the past, but for right now, we just need to focus on the news at hand, and that is... It's
1: Jokic world, and we just live in it.
0: Exactly. So that being said, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag pod. The NBA Finals are done. Denver is champions. What is your thoughts? And what is your thoughts about teams in the offseason? Who do you think is going to be the key player to add to your team to get them to the championship next season? Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break, though. We'll be right back. Do you like comic books? What about movies and TV shows? Well, we may be the show for you. We're Hops Geek
1: News, a weekly podcast that discusses comics, movies, and TV shows while featuring a beer of the week.
0: Every week, we chat about what we messed up on the week before, and then we dive into what we're reading and watching, as well as some news. We then wrap it up with a geek-themed topic of the week. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts by searching Hops Geek News. Cheers. Cheers. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And we have to talk some UFC action. Hell yeah. And we're not talking about Conor McGregor knocking out the Heat mascot. (laughs) Oh, my God. Sending him to the hospital. One of the weirdest things I have seen.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I understand what he was trying
1: to do, but in my opinion. Oh, I do, too. I I saw the highlight the night it happened. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then the next day, the story comes out that the dude, that the person in the mascot went to the emergency room, and I'm like, wait, what the fuck happened? And then I watched it back again. I'm like, ooh, yeah, no, he really connected with him.
0: Yeah, he really. It's like, Connor, save that for Michael Chandler if and when you fight him.
1: I'll say much as we like to tell Brock Lesnar when wrestling, uh, Connor, it's fake.
0: Yes. But unlike McGregor swinging there, he might have had one knockout, but there was a lot of things that were going on at UFC 289. A lot of headlines coming out of that. One accidental headbutt, no contest, which is a crazy, crazy way to end a fight.
1: Which you might be sitting here thinking, how the hell can you call no contest on a headbutt? And then you see the photo and you go, no, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, 10 stitches and a possible corneal abrasion. Which corneals the eye. Yeah. Reading that headline on multiple MMA sites... That was downright scary, so obviously Uh speedy, healthy recovery wishes out to that fighter. But the two top fights we got to talk about definitely had some big headlines. So, Pat, let's get into it.
1: Yeah, so this uh, event did take place from the Rogers Arena in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, announced attendance of 17,628 people, so I'd say that's probably a so. sellout. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, but In the co-main event of the evening in the lightweight division, you had Charles Oliveira defeat Benil Darouche via TKO at 4 minutes and 10 seconds of the first round.
0: Oliveira came in, and this is the guy I thought we would see.
1: He wants to
0: smoke. He is looking hungry and this is something we need uh-huh. in the UFC uh-huh. because I think after Oliveira won the title, and and, and granted, I'm not faulting him uh-huh. about this. Uh-huh. I think you get to that point where you feel a little too much like you're on a different level. Right. And I think that he, obviously, the story of him getting to the title after he was having people duck, duck him left and right. I mean, the yeah. fact he had to put on an 11-fight win streak to get a title shot is insane yeah, to me. Yeah, I digress. That's yeah. a whole different topic. But I think like once he got there and, and finished the way he did, and, and obviously w- is a dominant fighter, you kind of lose track of you know priorities at time. Like you think right. you can almost turn it on as a switch. It's a, it's almost like the Rocky Three mentality. Oh yeah. To put it in, per- in yeah. perspective. So to see him in this fight and the performance he get, did against DeRouche and like it's nothing against Darouche, but we always say. He's much like in the same vein of Leon Edwards mm-hmm. and like a Neil Magny. Right. They're technically sound. Right. So they're not going to do anything super flashy. They're not going to do anything that's going to put a real wow, but they're going to go and scrap. For Oliveira to come in there and literally go like a buzzsaw mm-hmm. through Darush, that was scary. That was legit yeah. scary. Yeah. Because now – There is no question in my mind, you got to get him into the title shot next. Oh, absolutely. And I know that Machaev uh, was not impressed by his performance, to paraphrase Mr. GSP. Right. Uh, He definitely was... I mean, he's open to the fight. I don't know if they're going to make that fight. I don't think so. I I mean, where do you go from here, then? I don't know. I, I
1: just... I don't know. Just something is... It's not screaming like, oh, we need to see this because, you know... Olivera did lose to uh, Macheev via arm triangle choke submission in October of last year. You know, and that was in the second round. So it's not like it was a late freak thing that, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Machev pulled it off. Mm-hmm. It was fairly early. Like, second round is in a, in a however many round fight it was. It's five round. Five round fight. That's, that's early.
0: It's early, but, you know, the question was in that fight, in my eyes, Olivera just psyched himself out. And he didn't look right because I'm sorry if you take him to the ground, right? Like he's comfortable. Oh sure, fighting off his back. Oh sure. I mean, he he's a legend for dude's got 21 submission wins. Yeah, he's not worried about getting taken to the ground. And you know, Macheev's ground and pound. I mean, is it's legendary. I mean, he's already has that whole sambo style that he, yeah. he factors in. Yeah. And I think it was a situation that Oliveira, like I said, he just didn't look right. In this fight, he looked like the old Oliveira. Yeah, he did. So that's why I say, I don't doubt the UFC puts him in a title shot, but the big X factor in all of this is what's going to happen when Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier fight. Mm -hmm. Because I think one of those gentlemen are going to get the shot right and rightfully so um even though i do not care that it has anything to do with the bmf title when it happens (laughs) i'm sorry that's not a real Uh title it's like the same thing as the ftw title in aew i don't pay attention to it this but whoever wins this fight is worthy of a title shot too sure and it proves how deep the lightweight division is in the ufc yeah Because, literally, you could take any one of these three, plug them into a title fight, and, and it's box office. Right. Different reasons, but it'll make it happen. But now the question is, where do we go from here and I know you got the rankings up.
1: Yeah, I do. So uh, Machaev is your champion, of course. Number one contender, Charles Oliveira. Number two, Dustin Poirier. Number three, Justin Gaethje. Four, Benil Darouche. Five, Michael Chandler. Uh, six, Rafael Fizev. Seven, Matsuz Gamro. Uh, eight, Armand uh, Surukin. Nine, Rafael Dos And number 10, Jalen Turner. So here's what I'm thinking. Mm. Ultimately, this is going to come down to, okay, Dana could present Oliveira fighting Machev to Macheev, it's gonna come down to what Machev wants. And it sounds like right now, unless the dollar amounts right, he's not gonna give a fuck. And he's gonna say no. Mm-hmm. So what I think you could do is you got Poirier Gaethje coming up, whoever wins that, fight Oliveira, and then the winner of that takes on Macheev. Because at that point, the top three guys have all faced each other, essentially. And it's like, hey, all right, this this is our kind of like unofficial tournament. Here's your contender.
0: I like that idea. Just there's one little hiccup with this. Okay. So we do know Poirier and Gaethje are scheduled to fight July 27th. Sure. Pending medical suspensions. Right. Because I'm sorry, this one's going to have violence. So so somebody's getting the suspension. There
1: ain't a lot of laying prey with this one.
0: Right. Whoever wins this is not going to be ready to go roughly till when? October?
1: October, November. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So they're they're looking at extensive time off. Is Machev gonna wait around?
1: I mean, you could you could feed Machev somebody else in that in the meantime, in between
0: time. Right, but that's the argument. Like, who you got? Yeah. So that's why I feel as we could see Oliveira get here.
1: The fuck? What the fuck is uh, Cerrone doing these days?
0: <laughs> Enjoying the t- the time off. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Yeah. But what's Lozon doing? Well, I mean. Pfft. Joe's probably hanging around there. I mean, Jim Miller's still fighting. I mean, if Jim Miller got the title shot, I would I would not be mad. I know some people get really mad about that. Yeah. I would not. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, that would be – I think that that would be actually a fun fight. It, w- it won't happen, though, but I can always hold out hope for the ageless wonder there. But in looking at this setup, though, I think it's ultimately going to go to the winner of Gaethje and Poirier. But if for some reason somebody gets hurt in training, somebody yeah. –
1: I mean, that, that's the thing, though, is, like, we're one, like, busted leg away from this whole pr- thought process getting thrown into disarray.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's going to be the the real argument here. So I think just for our, for our sake, I'm going to say the winner of the BMF thing gets Machaev. Sure. And he'll wait. I,
1: sure, I got no issues with that.
0: But if for some reason we're talking double medical suspension because reasons. Right, right, right. I'm saying Oliveira is making a good argument to get in there. I mean, it's a good backup plan. Yeah, and I think that it's not bad to say he's a backup plan at this stage because of obviously the first fight. But if you have a backup plan like him, I mean, that just shows you how deep your division is.
1: This is true.
0: Yeah, the, like to think that he's option B. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, he's option A, but this goes to show like the UFC is really going to have to make a decision. And also it depends on what Machev wants to do too. But I think he he wants the winner of Poirier Geachy. I think that's more box office, right? Because you can make one for the you know the comeback story for Oliveira, but I don't think there's enough sizzle there right now. Mm-hmm. But like I say, it all depends on when it comes out of July twenty seventh. I, I fully think though Oliveira could sneak in there because I just I don't think anybody's gonna be cleared to fight after that one right for a good six months. I'm just gonna say like somebody's gotta have a broken orbital. Not wishing it on them, but
1: no, no, I'm not either. It's gonna
0: happen, then Oliveira can slide in. So yeah, and I don't doubt like I say October is where the window I see happening for that. Unless the like I say if somebody gets hurt that night and they can't go, mm-hmm. then I could see that fight getting made for maybe September too. Yeah, I
1: could say it. Uh, and then your main event of the evening was for the UFC Women's Bantamweight Championship, where you had Amanda Nunez, the champ, champ, double champ, champ of the Bantamweight division, and the loaded, stacked, filled to the gills, filled to the moon.
0: Hit him with that Cameron Grimes. Featherweight
1: division. Uh, folks, I'm kidding. There's literally nobody there. Uh, Amanda Nunez, who took on Irene Aldana and, uh, surprising to no one, Amanda Nunez retained her championship. Well, I say retained because technically that's how it worked. Mm. Uh, but she defeated Irene Aldana via the unanimous decision, uh, 50, 44, 50, 44 and 50, 43. Although it was announced after the fight, much like you speculated last week, this fight was it. Uh, she's done and she is retiring from mixed martial arts. Uh, going off to do other things because hey she's she's got other ambitions she wants to do. I've
0: heard rumor WWE. I could see it. I've heard rumor. I I'm can, not I'm not breaking anything. I'm just I'm I've heard rumor. Boy
1: if only there were they were under the same umbrella to make that real th- seamless and easy. I know, right? Yeah. Uh but no surprisingly, no one she is retiring. She's relinquishing both belts and going out as one of, if not the greatest women's champions in mixed martial arts history.
0: It's, there's no question in my mind. Legend killer. She's she's the goat. She is the greatest women's MMA fighter of all time. And she is in that top five of great fighters of all time.
1: Holly Holm knocked her out. Mm-hmm. Chris Cyborg knocked her out. Raquel Pennington knocked her out. Valentina Shevchenko beat her twice. Mm-hmm. Ronda Rousey knocked her out. Misha Tate submitted her. Need I go on? Hell, Shayna Baszler, for those of you who are WWE fans, knocked her ass out. Mm hmm. Like
0: I said, legend, killer. She has one of the most historic pedigrees in all of mixed martial arts history. The names like you read off yeah, are big names. And we always say in comparison when we, we start having the goat conversation. Right. Take a look at a champion and how long they were champion for and who they faced. Oh, yeah. And that's why I say in the women's MMA there is no question she is she is the standard she is she is the benchmark it is nunez and then there is a drop off
1: i'm looking at her record it's so her final tally in 28 professional matches 23 wins 5 losses okay she made her ufc, deb- UFC debut in august 3rd of 2013 at ufc 163 okay where she beat uh, Sheila Gaff via TKO punches and kicks at two minutes and eight seconds of the first round. This took, fight took place in Rio de Janeiro. Mm-hmm. She lost twice in nine years. Once to Kat Zingano at UFC 178. That was in September of 2014. And then once to Juliana Penna in December 11th of 2021. In nine years, she lost twice one that loss to juliana pena was for the women's bantamweight championship she came back six months later and re- regained that championship mm-hmm. she's like yeah that was a fluke i got this
0: yeah i say like when you compare her resume to to any other fighter like take she, your pick yeah Like she's in, she's in a top five, if not top three. She's got to be on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah,
1: and I'm including men on that. Yeah, same
0: here, same here. That's why I said top five greatest MMA fighters of all time. She has to be in that list somewhere. Yeah, has to be if she's not in top three. Like I, I, because we always debate this. This is something that she has to be. MMA fans do all the time. Like who's the greatest of all time? And there's always a top five. Nunez is in that five. Has to be. Yeah, I'm sorry if she's not in your five. Reassess your five. Exactly. Because look at the names she beat. And then whoever is in your – because it, it it varies. That's why I say like – Oh, I, sure. Cause, sure. Because we all can name a completely different list between you, me, Rich from 3FN. Yeah. And uh, obviously everybody – Common Man. Common Man, Vinciatoli, like, Dog. I mean, anybody that has ever been on this show to talk MMA, Mike from Multiverse of Badness, we all have a top five yeah. that are different. Yeah. Yeah. But Nunez will be the common denominator that's in that top five. Yeah. No question about it. Because of the name she beat, how she beat them. I mean, if you want to say, like, in comparison, it's, I always say, like, her career is almost like Anderson Silva's. Yes. Because Silva took on everybody Mm -hmm. at that time and faced them. But I'll even say this. I think Nunez had a deeper pool to fight than Silva did. I'd say so, yeah. Silva had some great competition to fight throughout his entire tenure as middleweight champion. But, or, yeah, middleweight, I'm sorry. For some reason I was thinking light heavyweight, but no. Because I know he went up there a couple times. But if you even, like I say, to compare it though, he faced names, but Nunez faced the best of the best. Yeah, I mean she won the
1: UFC Women's Bantamweight Championship against Misha Tate at UFC 200 that was on July 9th of 2016. Can you believe UFC 200 was 2016? Fuck, that doesn't feel that long ago. Jesus. But she be- she so when she beat Ronda Rousey, that was for the belt. She beat she knocked out Ronda Rousey at 48 seconds of the first round. Ronda Rousey, I will say, was one of the first females I saw in a sport or anything. That if I saw coming at me in a pissed off look, I'm running the other goddamn direction. She's going to take my arm off. Mm-hmm. But she beat Ronda Rousey for the belt. Valentina Shevchenko for the bantamweight belt. Raquel Pennington for the bantamweight belt. And if that wasn't enough, when she beat Chris Cyborg, that was at featherweight. Yeah. So then she starts defending the fe- So she won the featherweight belt in December of 2018. Then six months later in July, seven months later in July,
0: she goes back up to bantamweight and knocks out Holly home. Yeah. Like I say, in you, six months? Yeah. You take a look at what she did. That's why I say, like, she has to be in your top five, if not top three. Like, she's in my top three. Oh, sure. That's why I say, I know some people will debate, but it's like, because they'll say, well, you know, she had a run and obviously, you know, beating the names. Of that division, well it's you know, like those were like flamed out soon. Like you say with Rousey after she got knocked out it was never the same. Still a name. But she's still a name. I I fully agree with you about that. Shevchenko, that was her toughest opponent. Yeah. But that also goes to show how good Shevchenko is. Oh yeah. But she's not Nunez.
1: If, and if I'm not mistaken, I can look it up. I think that's the only losses of Shevchenko has on her career is to Amanda Nunez.
0: I'm pretty sure. But, yeah, if you want to double-check that, sure. Uh, four, but, yeah, four losses,
1: one to Alexa Grasso, two to Amanda Nunez, and one to Liz Carmouche. Yeah. So, yeah, no, Amanda Nunez is the only person to beat Shevchenko twice.
0: Yeah. Name me another fighter that fought at that kind of level against the best of the best. And when that division was the best, because women's bantamweight has always been stacked since oh, yeah. the UFC has made it. Oh, yeah. It's featherweight, different story. There's nobody there. Right, because they have they were trying to build that around Nunez and Chris Cyborg. And then when Cyborg got beat decisively, and this is talking about somebody who was just the most feared women's MMA fighter for a good stretch of time, it oh, maybe yeah. may, you know oh, yeah. maybe ever until that knockout. Yeah,
1: yeah, a lot of conversations of potential fights.
0: Yeah, Nunez went in there with no fear and
1: knocked her out. Yep, um, Nunez went in there and knocked her out at 51 seconds of the first round.
0: Yeah, and when that moment happened, oh that 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 was the end of the story. Like, if oh he, yeah, that was it. She she solidified her legacy. I mean, when you think about everybody she beat, and like I say, Rousey at the time. Most feared, dominant MMA women's MMA fighter at the time, Nunez knocked her out for whatever reason. Rousey tried standing with her. Forty-eight seconds. Yeah, but forty-eight seconds didn't matter. I think even if it got to the ground. I think Nunez was still going to find a way to and win. And that
1: was that was the only her f- first fight after losing to Holly Holmes, So the mystique was still there.
0: Yeah. So like I say, when you factor in all this, there's there's no debate. No. Like she isn't. She's is in the top five of however you of however you want to say it. She is in the top five of all all time fighters in has, MMA. Has like be. I said, she's in my top three. So, with that being said, I wasn't shocked at the ending of this fight after no. because no, the only other fight you could do, and I understand Pena was trying to get that to happen. Yeah, because I know she's been talking a lot on interviews. Well, and I,
1: well, and I know she's like, oh, I was I thought about running
0: up in the octagon. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Okay. One, you were never going to do that with Nunez taking the gloves off. No, I'm sorry. No, I understand why she's trying to politic it. Sure, I get it. I fully do. That would be a the, big payday. It's the rubber match here. The the fight thus far is one and one. Yeah, but I think what Nunez is doing is is the right call. I don't have to prove myself. Yeah, like, I already
1: did. Like, what do I need to do? Yeah,
0: and especially if
1: if, it, if the if the win loss were flipped. And she beat Pena the first time and lost the second time? I could could understand that. Fully get that. But Nunes doesn't have anything to prove because it's, yeah, I
0: lost you, but I came back seven months later and I beat you. Yeah. so you have to consider it a fluke. I mean, I'm not going to say it's on the same level as Matt Sarah, GSP. If it was a split decision loss, okay, then you have another avenue you can make a conversation. Sure.
1: But it was unanimous.
0: Yeah. No, this was... (laughs) <laughs> you, you, you had, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing about this, but you made Nunez that focused that there was no chance that Nunez was losing that rematch. And I pulled up the
1: the uh, scorecard on the Wikipedia page. 50-45, 50-44, 50-43. Yeah. So it was not even close.
0: No, because Nunez was locked in. And like I say, I'm not mad at Penny for doing that because you know what? You have to get the best fights you can. Oh,
1: sure. And you and you got to play salesman. Yeah. I mean, Or saleswoman in yeah. this case. Well, I was going to say, Conor
0: McGregor put it out there. Yeah. And you know what? Everybody's been copying him. Chael Sonnen actually did it first. Yes. So. But you know what? It works. And I understand why she's doing it, and I'm not mad at her. I'm no, not, I'm, I'm not gonna, either. I'm not going to fault her. I know some no. people Some people are complaining. I was like, stop. You know why? Because she wants to get a big-name fight. Because now the question is, what do you do with uh, the bantamweight division from here? And obviously, I think that you put... Pena in a title shot there. Yeah, she's number one. Yeah, uh, number
1: two is Raquel Pennington. Three is Holly Holm. Four is Ketlin Vieira. Five is Irene Aldana. Eight, or excuse me, six is Yana Santos. Seven is Pani uh, Kenazad. Eight is Macy Chieson. Uh, nine is Carol Rosa, and ten is uh, Myra Bueno Silva. So uh, Misha Tate's still hanging around at eleven, uh, you know. But I'd say this, you know. Fit, hell, here's what you can do. You can do it like a mini tournament if you want. One verse, pick between, figure out how you want to do it between Pena, Pennington, Holly Holm, and Catelyn Vieira. Mm-hmm. Figure out those two fights between those two winners, take on each other, and winner gets the belt.
0: I'll even go out one more crazier one here. Okay. Pena, sure. Shevchenko. <laughs> Shevchenko vacates, comes up. Ooh. Or no, it, she's not uh, 125 champion anymore.
1: No, uh, Alexa Grasso is. Right.
0: So I would make that fight. Shevchenko comes up. Yeah. And you know what? That's box office. I, that,
1: yeah, you can, you can get a lot of people paying for that.
0: Oh, my God, yeah. that That's a money fight right there. And that makes a lot of sense because Shevchenko at 125, are the most dominant women's 125 champion they've ever had in UFC. Right. But if you bring her up to bantamweight right. where she's fought, I mean, it's not like she hasn't never fought there. Right. That's a big money fight, especially with Pena, because you can make the argument. Well, you know, what? I did beat Amanda Nunez, which is legit. Like, I'm not taking anything away from that fight. Like, I don't think it was a fluke. I just think it was just it's one of those nights that Pena did everything right and Nunez did not do everything right. Right. I mean, which, I mean, I guess you could say is a fluke, but I always say the Matt-Serra fight is a fluke. Yeah. I don't feel that same way about Nunez-Pena. So that said... I'm going to say that's the fight I would make, but I like your tournament idea, too. I love to see tournaments happen in in MMA. They don't do them enough. So, yeah, that would be great to do, but I don't know. I mean, that's going to be the problem they're going to have to figure out, and especially they have a very, very up-and-coming flyweight division, too. I could see somebody making the jump up from there. Right. Like I say, there's a lot of moving parts that are happening here. Yeah, there are. So it's going to be exciting to watch, but... For Nunez retirement, and I believe this is done. I don't see her coming no, back. No. This is not going to be like a Henry Cejudo.
1: The only way I can see it happening is is if it's like a UFC 300 type of deal, and they offer a huge percentage
0: or whatever the buy rate is. Oh, I'm sure. Like if you wanted to do that, yeah, I, I could see. I could definitely see that
1: happening. I'll too. say to quote Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. Everybody's got a price.
0: Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure that if if Nunez wanted to do that. She could. But it's like at this stage in her career. She doesn't need it. I mean, yeah. I mean, money is great and all, but I think for her to put herself through a camp like that, especially against an opponent that if you're going to get her to come out of retirement, it's going to be a big name. No question of that. But I think that that, there has to be a little more for Nunez to do that. Because obviously, you start talking about your career, and she has a top five, if not top three career. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That, you know, you have to put her in there and, and to see about possibly getting tarnished by coming back. I mean, we've seen this happen when fighters have came back after time. Yeah. You don't know what you're going to get easily. But I think that in Nunez's case, I think she's on to different endeavors. I mean, you might see her pop at events, you know, obviously coming through to watch the sport but I don't think she's going to be active as much. I think that whatever she does in her next endeavors is going to be great. If she does come to the WWE, I think there's a lot of interesting things that could happen there. Oh yeah. But it all depends on what she wants to do now, but she goes down as the greatest women's MMA fighter of all time. Like I say, top three in my opinion, but I can see some people trying to say top five, but she has to be in the top five. No, no question about it. Top three in my opinion though, Mm -hmm. but I think that her legacy stands stands the test of time, and put it up against anybody else's career, mm-hmm. and see how it matches up. That's going to be the 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 true talent point about where you rank her about greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you what, Nunez has left such a such a huge impression on that division and the sport. It's going to be tough for anybody to have that kind of you know success after.
1: The gloves are large to fill.
0: Exactly, but man. Amazing night of fights for UFC 289. Two big headlines coming out of the two big main events. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag OdiePagePod. What is your thoughts moving forward for the UFC with the bantamweight division? Uh, Who's going to be the one to step up to take the title now that Nunez is gone? What fight do you want to see happen there? And then for the men's lightweight division, what do you do now? Oliveira is back. Where do you slot him in the title contention? Or do you wait to see how the winner of the BMF title... Uh, (laughs) Steps in there. Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, all. I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom, from movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And it's time to talk a little pro wrestling. Hell yeah. So the WWE is in full swing for its money in the bank program. That's Mm -hmm. going to be taking place over in the UK to solidify who is going to cash in the briefcase and have their career set into a whole different trajectory. Theoretically. Yes. Uh, with winning the men's and women's Money in the Bank briefcase title opportunity. Mm-hmm. So this past Monday night, Raw, there was a little more clarity added to who's going to be where. So, Pat, let's talk about it.
1: Yeah. So uh, we got the, the final participant named to the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, uh, and that is Damian Priest. So your field for the men's Money in the Bank ladder match is as follows. Ricochet. Shinsuke Nakamura. Santos Escobar, Butch, Damian Priest, and L.A. Knight. Yeah. Uh, So definitely looking like a great field for that. Uh, I think yours and my picks both for that are L.A. Knight. Yeah. Uh, So that should be a hell of a match. Uh, The women's one, not quite set yet. There is still one more uh, spot to be determined. I'm going to guess it's going to take place this Friday on SmackDown, Uh, but the participants we do know for the women's money in the bank ladder match are Zelina Vega, Becky Lynch, Zoe Stark, Bailey, Eosky and then that one to be determined spot. Any guesses who you think that last one's going to be?
0: Boy, I don't know. To be honest, for the last spot I could see it being like a complete surprise to everybody. Sure. And be like almost like a call-up. Mm. I mean, as as far as we know from NXT. Yeah. Um, but for who's going to win, see, it's tough. Zoe Stark I think could do a lot of damage if she gets it. Right. And I, and I think that that would be some people, some might say too much too soon. I don't think yeah. it would be if she holds, holds on to the case for a while. Right. Um, But I could also see Becky Lynch doing this. Right. To get back in there for one final run yeah. uh, for the world title. Yeah. Because it all depends. I mean, if you really want to set up her against Rhea Ripley. Yeah. And that is box office. No oh, question oh. of that. Yeah, it is. That would make sense, too. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, her and Oscar have already faced before, so I can't really see that happening right. and, and playing out. I mean, obviously, right. titles can change between now and then. Right. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of where the, the big factor is. But until we know who the mystery person would be in there. Right. I, I'm going to just say, for argument's sake, I'm going to say it's going to be Becky.
1: Okay. I mean, because I'm just looking at it. Becky and Zoe, in theory, take each other out. Bailey and Eos guy I could see that. You, you would think that one would help the other, but... You know, when it's not a, an outcome that benefits both parts of the same team, one's gonna. You know, you know, it's like the Royal Rumble. You know, mm-hmm. you can only you can only be a team for so long in the Royal Rumble. You know, so I in theory they take each other out, so that leaves Zelina Vega and the one to be determined. But we'll see what happens. I'm going to say pencil in for me right now, Becky Lynch, but I'll reserve to make my final decision when we learn who that final spot is. Uh, then we, of course those were the only two matches we knew prior to Monday night. Uh, but one of the matches that got announced on Monday Night Raw is in a singles matchup. Uh, you will have Cody Rhodes taking on Dominic Mysterio, and obviously Rhea Ripley will be at ringside.
0: Well, Dominic against Cody, uh-huh.
1: uh huh, the number one heat machine in pro wrestling. Tell me otherwise. Mm-hmm. Going up against the number one babyface. In at least WWE.
0: I'm going to just put this out there. Dominic is winning. Yeah, he is. Because Brock Lesnar is going to help him. Yeah, he is. And it's going to be the weirdest visual you've ever seen.
1: I've maintained. Now, obviously, my, my theory was Cody's going to be in the ladder match and Brock's going to cost him in the ladder. Obviously, that can't happen. Uh, but Brock can still interfere and cost him the match here.
0: Yeah, and And
1: that's what's going to happen because Cody does still have that open invitation for Brock to show up at any city, anytime, anywhere, almost like a money in the bank, (laughs) wink, wink, nudge, Mm -hmm. nudge, Mm -hmm. you know, to show up and fight Cody Rhodes and in theory and according to the rumors and no, they're just rumors. Uh, the matchup will take place at SummerSlam, so the logical step would be to have him show up at Money in the Bank, which would make like five or six pay-per-views in a row Brock has shown up at, which, well, which 10 years ago would have been nuts to say.
0: It, it would have been crazy to say, but you know what? He's having fun. Oh, he is. That's, that's he the, is. the big difference now. But, yeah, no,
1: Cody's absolutely going to get taken out by Brock, and I, I, I don't think it'll be a DQ finish. I think Brock is going to be smart enough that he does it in such a way where the you know ref bump – you know, Rhea distracts the ref. Hell, Rhea might even employ his services. Like, oh, hey, I'll, I'll, if you help us out, we'll help you out type type of deal. You know, and Brock will cost Cody the match. Uh, but that one should be something, if for nothing else, than, than the crowd reaction to Dominic Mysterio, because Dominic is the number one heel on pro wrestling right now.
0: I could just imagine him celebrating around Brock and Brock just <laughs> looking at him like, what are you doing? He, like, I didn't do this for you. He
1: goes to do like the raise everybody's arm type of thing. And Brock just doesn't raise his arm. He just kind of gives him that stare. And, and Dominic puts it down like,
0: shit, yeah. sorry. No, you know what's going to happen? You're right. That's going to happen. And then Rhea's gonna stare him down. <laughs> Rhea's gonna stare down Brock.
1: Tease that matchup between the two.
0: Oh my god, yeah, I'd love to see that. Oh, I would too. Yeah,
1: I would too.
0: Rhea's just phenomenal, and they would have a they would have a great match.
1: Yeah, no, they would. Uh, and then the other matchup that got announced on Monday Night Raw is for in a singles matchup for the World Heavyweight Championship, Seth freaking Rollins defending his belt against Finn Balor.
0: You know what? Not mad about this. Neither am I. Finn is long overdue to get there. I love... Pro, promo on Monday. Uh, yeah, the promo on Monday was Woo. was excellent because...
1: You took everything from me. You took away my momentum. You took away my title. You took away my opportunity. You took away a year of my life. I'm going to take away your title. I'm going to take away your momentum. And I'm going to take away a year of your career.
0: Yeah. And you know what? I love it. Because there is that sense of realism to it. Yes, Which... For Finn now, under Triple H in creative, and I'm repeating that, Mm -hmm. Triple H is in creative. Yep. Finn is going to get this opportunity to have a big title fight. He's not going to win. but No. he's Because I'm sorry, they're not going to... I can't see them playing hot potato... Not this early. ...with this. No. The only way I would say maybe, and I do stress maybe, is if Damian Priest wins Money in the Bank... Yeah. And then Finn cashes in, or Finn wins and Damian cashes in on him.
1: Yeah, cuz there was that little seed planted in a backstage segment on Monday Night Raw where Damian confronted Finn like, "Hey, everything good?" Mm-hmm. You know, and Finn's like, "No, yeah, every, everything's fine." And, and they did plant that seed of Finn saying, "Hey, you'd never cash in on me, would you?" And and Damian's like, "Come on, you got to ask me?"
0: Yeah. When they're setting that up, I mean, it is a great tease. Uh-huh. And uh, I think Fans are missing out on something here. We always gush, and rightfully so, over the Bloodline storyline. Hell yeah. But does anybody not see what's going on with Judgment Day? Slowly
1: splitting them up. Slowly doing it. You're not seeing the four of them together as much. It's kind of Rhea's with Dom. You know, Damien and Finn are kind of showing up. But but more and more lately, especially before Damien, air quotes, confronted Finn. Who is Finn talking to? J.D. McDonough. J.D. McDonough. And they talk like they were
0: giving each other advice. Yeah, which I like how they're setting this up. Yeah. I mean, they might not go full breakaway, but if they wanted to because Rhea and Dom. Wow, I can't believe I'm even saying Dom's name in this. Say,
1: remember what your opinion of Dom was like six months ago?
0: It, it's still it, like his in-ring work stuff. Oh, I agree. He needs a lot of help. But I listen, I'll give the devil his due. On the mic. He's, he's good. He's got the mannerisms down. Yeah. And he can read the crowd. And this is something that you can't be taught. No. You just have to feel. And I I stress this. He understands when he needs to press and when he doesn't need to press. Yes. And he knows, and, and especially being his age, like, listen, that's a benefit.
1: Well, you got to figure what the support system he has around him between his Oh, da- sure. Between his dad, his the friends of his dad, Finn, Damian, Rhea. He's got a great system to learn from
0: oh yeah and you know what he's doing it i wish he would just implement this more into his in-ring work stuff sure i don't know sure i mean and i shouldn't be so critical about him but like listen i'm sorry the track record speaks for itself yeah no
1: it does so his matches aren't great no
0: they're not but in pro wrestling you can get by if you can talk and you can work the crowd yeah i mean there's been countless examples of this dom gets it and especially at his age, like I'm—that's the thing that impresses me the most, because yeah, he's getting heat from the crowd, but he's leaning into it. Twenty-six years old.
1: Yeah, he just turned twenty-six. Yeah, like how crazy is that?
0: And especially if, if you even think about, it, like, Ray has n- arguably never been a heel. No, his entire career.
1: No, and and Dominic did not develop this character or you know hone his skills on the indies. Yeah, he came into WWE on the main roster.
0: Yeah. And, and like I say, it, it's, it's been a gift and a curse, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. But I think now, like you touched upon, he's got a great support system around him to learn from. Between his dad, friends of his dad's, and then just the people he
1: knows. Yeah. It's
0: insane. And you can definitely tell he's been putting in work because of just, he's picking this up. And like I say, it's natural. Yeah. And it's just like, where he's going to be in, in another year. Like, I still think he, he needs a ton of in-ring work. Like, there's no oh, question about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But- if he's progressing enough, like he can put on a decent match. Mm-hmm. Like I say, not gonna be five stars. but no. it,
1: it'll be good. It'll be good.
0: But the one thing you need is, and I know what Bully Ray has said this. Vince McMahon has said this, I believe, or I think it, was, it came from Bully Ray, is because uh, he got it from Vince. Everybody doesn't remember a match; they just remember the finish, right? And if you can leave the crowd with an impression, yeah. Like I said, Dom's gonna be all right. And, but like I say, it could lead to like how him and Ray have been a breakout star. The same can almost be said for Damian priest, because I think they're gearing him up for a face yeah. turn. Yeah. And I think this is where you slide in JD McDonough. So you can still have that fringe group, but you don't need them necessarily together. But I think that they have big plans for Finn. Mm-hmm. And I think coming out of this, and like I say, I don't see him winning the title, but he'll come out looking good. Oh, he'll come out looking great. This is going to be a five-star match. Like this is, not, I can't see unless an injury happens, and I'm not wishing that in any circumstances. No. God, no. But Please, I, no. Yeah. But I I think that would be the only reason this would not be a five-star possible match of the year candidate. Mm-hmm. Dead serious. But the only way I'm going to say is there's a chance Finn wins if Priest somehow gets the briefcase. Right. Right. I can't see them doing it over LA night though. Let's
1: say it'll be interesting to see which version of Finn shows up uh, at Money in the Bank because I know Seth teased and you can read into it a couple different ways. But he talked about the version of Finn. He goes, "Which version of Finn is going to show up to face me? Is it going to be the one?" And he didn't get specific. He left it deliberately vague. He said, "Is it going to be the one, you know, that I've seen these last couple of months, or is it going to be the one that beat me at Summerslam?" Which what version of Finn beat him at SummerSlam?
0: The demon? Uh huh. No, you know what's gonna happen. He's teasing the demon. Oh, he's teasing the demon because he's gonna play him.
1: Uh, he's, Rollins uh, is gonna come
0: out in demon paint. Don't even think he would gonna, not do this. He's gonna borrow
1: the fiend mask.
0: Oh, he'll do he'll do something. He'll like he'll he'll come in some weird body paint.
1: Seth, master of mind games, case in point, came out to the shield entrance oh against my Roman. God,
0: yeah, exactly. Like you there's no way he's not gonna do that. He is a visionary. He's not going to do... Like I say, there's no way he's going to get around this. Oh, yeah. He's going to do something. Yeah. But Money in the Bank... I mean, we do get some more clarity for this. Yeah. I mean, the rest of Monday Night Raw was kind of... Yeah, mm. so-so. So-so. Not bad. Not Lo- great. Bloodline storyline still getting better.
1: Featuring it weekly on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. So you cannot miss it. No, Nor should you. Uh, should note this week, Roman returning to Friday Night SmackDown.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Big box office there. Oh, yeah. Because obviously... It's a big week in pro wrestling too. Yes, it does. Because I know we we don't talk about a certain other for- federation, but we <laughs> we do have to say they are debuting a new show on yes, Saturday on Saturday night. Yes,
1: they are AEW Collision.
0: Yep. So Saturday night, TBS, eight p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how this goes. I mean, in all honesty, I don't know exactly how this is all going to fare out because if you haven't been following AEW and everything going on with this. Collision has got a lot of things going on with it. Uh, including pushing the lines of copyright law. Yeah. With, with the logo design. I mean, there's there's a lot in our opinion about that. Yeah. You
1: can't tell me otherwise.
0: Yes. And being on TNT, I apologize. I thought this was on TBS. Oh, okay. So you're going to see CM Punk return. Yep. We do know about that. Yep. And how this is all going to shape up. It, like, uh, honestly, it's anybody's guess, to be honest with you.
1: It's either going to be good or a shit show. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's no in-between. And, oh, it, and it's going to depend on who you ask.
0: Exactly. I mean, that's going to be the biggest problem that you have going on here. But with Roman coming back on Friday, I mean, that's, that's no real shock. I know some no. fans were trying to say, oh, it's because, you know, collisions happening. No. WWE's not worried about collision. No, they're not. And I know Roman is defending a belt at a house show. Yeah, he is. On Saturday night. Yeah, he is. That's not done on purpose by any means to interfere with Collision. Just putting this out there for a lot of our fans that listen. I'll say
1: if WWE is not concerned about a a TV show on Saturdays at 8 o'clock, because what have they been doing lately on Saturdays at 8 o'clock? Their own pay-per-views. Yeah. So like, you're going to sit here and tell me, oh, they had the foresight to move their pay-per-views to Saturday at 8 o'clock because they knew AEW. Do- Stop.
0: Exactly. Stop. Like, I'm, I'm not hearing this. Crack a window. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I will say this. If you're planning on watching AEW Collision, and, sure. I, and I'm and i planning on watching because I want to see what's going to happen.
1: You know my opinion.
0: Yeah, I know you're not watching. I, nope. I, I'm just going to watch the reaction. Exactly. That's the only reason I want to check this out and see what's going to unfold and i'm not trying to discourage anyone from watching if you are on the fence about watching it hey, give it a shot why not you never know well i'm just going to say if you're a wrestling fan and you're on social media saturday night you're not going to escape it because something is going to happen yeah yeah and it's all going to happen in the beginning of the show because i'm already going to tell you how this is going to play out it's, it's going to work out the same way cm punk is walking out yeah he's going to cut a promo yep we're going to find out the temp in the room from him does he come out with muffins
1: because it's in chicago
0: maybe chance. Okay. But then again, if anybody hears this from AEW, hi. uh, That might get amped up after the show. He should should come out in a Target uniform. Oh. (laughs) That would be amazing. But we'll have to kind of wait and see how this plays out. But obviously, whatever he's going to do, fans are going to be talking about. Mm -hmm. Love him or hate him. Love AEW or hate AEW. It's going to be a talk of it. Yeah. But it's something that if you're a pro wrestling fan, you're going to check out. If you want more in-depth coverage of this, obviously we'll be talking about this on 607 TWS next week, so you make mm-hmm. sure to drop that follow and subscribe for that. And then maybe we'll I'll mention that in one shots next week if it's anything noteworthy. All right. We'll say that. Yeah. But if they really want to compete with WWE, they got to fix a lot on their show first. Yes. So yes. I will say this. We've got a lot to look forward to with WWE. Uh-huh. And that's why we talk about it a lot here on the show. Uh-huh. AEW, I'm hoping, pulls out some something out of their hat and really makes a great show.
1: Hey, they got a big pay-per-view coming up this Sunday and they've announced two matches.
0: Yes. So, uh, the ball is in their court. So, hopefully they can make some uh, chicken salad happen really, really quick if you get my drift. Yeah. But in the meantime, we've got WWE to talk about here on the ODPH, so that's why we want you to hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts going into Money in the Bank? Are you excited for the card? Are you not? And if you're excited about AEW, I will talk to you about this. And uh, if you even want more pro wrestling conversation, 607TWS on your favorite podcast provider, definitely hit us up, let us know. But we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, it's Alan Dunford here from Top Head Studios co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH podcast. I'm gonna
1: beat to the punch, cause they can't bring me down.
0: Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got
1: a couple things to talk about. First of which, obviously, is the local minute. And looking at the the Binghamton Rumble Ponies uh, stats and such from this past week, uh, they were on the road playing the Reading Fighting Phills. Of course, that is the AA affiliate of the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, so they had a game on Tuesday where they won by the final score of ten to eight. Uh, they were supposed to play a game on Wednesday last week, but much like everybody else in the Northeast, uh, air quality was not ideal. Yeah. So that game got postponed and moved to Saturday. Uh, their game on Thursday they won by the final score of ten to eight. Friday they lost by the final score of two to one. Uh, and then the doubleheader on Saturday, they won both games. Game one they won by 4-1, and then game two they won 8-5. And then they came back on Sunday and won by the final score of 8-6. So all in all, good week for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking ahead to this week, they uh, they have going on. They're uh, at home playing the Portland Sea Dogs. Uh, they lost their game on Tuesday by the final score of 9-1 supposed to have played a game tonight as we record however because of some rain showers moving through the area that game was postponed and a make-up date has been announced for june 15th so that would be tomorrow on thursday uh so thursday they are playing two games game one is supposed to start at five o'clock eastern game two will be played probably 45 minutes after the end of game one uh and then on saturday friday excuse me they're uh playing the Portland Sea Dogs again. Uh start time of 7:05 Saturday, start time of 6:07 p.m. because it is 6:07 Saturdays. Uh and then Sunday they're playing at 6:35 p.m. Eastern and we should note uh that this weekend is a rather special weekend for the Binghamton Rumble Ponies because this weekend is uh Shortcakes take over for the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. They got the Strawberry Fest going on here locally uh, in, oh. in the area, so they're they're not going to be the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. They're going to be the Binghamton Shortcake. Shortcakes. Shortcakes. Okay, got a couple of promos going on this weekend. Uh, so third on the Thursday game, uh, it is Daryl Strawberry southern Tiers shortcakes bobblehead giveaway uh so it says coinciding with the 41st annual of the Owego strawberry festival uh this weekend and a part of our action-packed 2020 2023 southern Tier shortcakes weekend the first 1000 fans in attendance will receive a daryl strawberry southern Tiers shortcakes bobblehead uh, make sure to get yours so that you can have the straw man sign yours at the game tomorrow evening when he will be making a special appearance at a stadium. Oh, cool. So that is the, uh, promo going on for Friday. It is, there is, it will be a special appearance by, uh, New York Yankees and New York Mets legend, Daryl strawberry. Uh, so he'll be doing a VIP meet and greet packages are available. Uh, so you can bring that bobblehead or some other piece of memorabilia. You can get it signed by Daryl strawberry. Uh, And then the game on Saturday also will be uh, they will have Strawberry Shortcakes themed jerseys all weekend. Uh, And then so the other promo they've got going on Saturday is the first 1,000 fans in attendance will receive a Southern Tier Shortcakes R.E.D.? t-shirt courtesy of lockheed martin red is stands for remember everyone deployed and was created to remind people of our deployed heroes overseas and show them that we are thinking of them red knight encourages people to wear red as an act of support for deployed troops uh so that'll be uh something to check out and then on the game <clears throat> on sunday of course that is of course father's day uh, so, they will have a special celebration for all the fathers in attendance on the game on Sunday. Uh, plus, it is Senior Stroll Sunday. So, it says put on your cross trainers, gather some friends, and come out and get your steps in. Come and walk in the warm up track when the gates open until 30 minutes before the start of the game. Uh, so, that is presented by the home instead, Senior, Senior Care. Uh, so, definitely some awesome stuff going on this weekend at uh, uh, Morabito Stadium for the Binghamton Rumble ponies.
0: You know, minor league baseball always has like the coolest promotions. Yeah. Like, they're so quirky. Yeah. But- but they're fun though, yeah, I mean, yeah. and, and that's the big thing about going to a baseball game, yeah, you know it's it's something it's an experience, yes, and I will say rumble ponies always do a great job when you get down there, so Bingrp.com yes
1: uh, and then switching over to some uh, more baseball news this time at the major league level, uh, there is a report out uh, that the next field of dreams game, which is not taking place this year, and why that is, I'll get to in a minute, uh, but the next field of dream games is g- going to be between the San Francisco Giants and the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, so the article on ESPN.com reads quote, the oldest professional baseball park in the country will host the San Francisco giants and the St. Louis Cardinals in the 2024 field of dreams game. The San Francisco Chronicle reported Tuesday, Rick Woodfield in Birmingham, Alabama, which opened in 1910 will be the site of the annual game. According to the report, major league baseball has not made any comment about the game as of Tuesday quote, I would love wearing throwbacks, that would be really cool, Giants first baseman Lamonte Wade Jr. told the Chronicle. It'll definitely give you the full effect of the game. I hope it is us who wears the jerseys for sure. That would be something to remember forever, close quote. Hall of Famer Willie Mays, a Giants legend in New York and San Francisco, played at Rick Woodfield when he was in the Negro Leagues as a member of the Birmingham Black Barons. The first two Field of Dreams games were played in Dyersville, Iowa, on the site of the popular movie with the same name. Complete with the cornfield beyond the outfield, the Chicago White Sox and New York Yankees played in the inaugural game in 2021, and the Chicago Cubs faced the Cincinnati Reds last year. Both games were on the second Thursday of August of each year. The Iowa site is currently under construction, and no game is slated for this season. Rick Woodfield has also served as a location for such films such as Cobb in 1994 soul of the game, 1996 and 42 in 2013. It is one of two Negro league ballparks still standing along with Hinch life stadium in Patterson, New Jersey. Rick Woodfield is the home field for miles college, a historically black college and university in Fairfield, Fairfield, Alabama. So definitely I was, first I heard, I'm like, why are they moving this to Alabama? And then I ran into it. Really cool.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Very so cool. I mean, the Field of Dreams game is always cool, but for, yeah. the, for the reason they're doing, yeah. it, the awesome reason.
1: Uh, and then we got an update on the Oakland Athletics or soon to be Las Vegas Athletics mm-hmm. situation. Uh, this coming to us from Jeff Passan over at ESPN. Uh, the article reads: "Quote the Nevada State or excuse me, Nevada Senate passed a three hundred eighty million dollar bill on Tuesday to help fund a new stadium for the Athletics in Las Vegas, the first step toward the expected move of the franchise from Oakland." After days of questioning from lawmakers about the wisdom of using public tax dollars to support a team owned by a billionaire, John Fisher, two amendments to the bill added Tuesday morning prompted a 13-to-8 vote in favor of the project. While multiple steps remain to finalize the A's move, the passage of Senate Bill One. Uh, in a special session called by Governor Joe Lombardo, a proponent of Las Vegas adding baseball team to the NHL's Golden Knights and NFL's Raiders, paves the way for it to happen. If the 42-person Nevada Assembly uh, approves it by a majority vote and Lombardo signs the bill into law, Major League Baseball owners plan to authorize the A's to relocate and end the team's half-century-plus long tenure in Oakland. uh, Close quote. So, that was one of the hurdles I know they needed to get past was, was the funding going to get passed for this stadium? The next is obviously the Major League Baseball owners have to approve it, which is going to happen later in the year if this bill gets passed. It sounds like this is going to happen, but the Oakland, uh, Oakland will have lost all three major sports teams in less than five years. Sad. Because the Oakland Raiders left after the 2019 season. They started in Vegas in 2020. Uh, And then the Golden State Warriors, although they're technically still in the area, they moved across the Bay to San Francisco uh, in the 2019 season. Uh, So this will be the third lost team by the the city of Oakland, which is sad to see.
0: It's sad to see. I mean, I always hate hearing about how Oakland is losing teams Mm -hmm. like, you know, I've always grown up. And there's been a team there. hmm And now just in a short amount of time, like it's all disappearing. And mm-hmm. it, like granted, I love Vegas. I've been to Vegas. Sure. Vegas is a very, very cool place to visit. hmm Living there, I don't know. Like I, I will get myself into too much trouble. They, that's sure. just me personally. I'm sure. not I'm not hating on Vegas whatsoever. Sure. But just hearing about like how Oakland's losing the franchise, like it's tough because especially when you're you're a city is represented by their teams a lot. Mm-hmm. So when you lose that identity, and especially how they've lost their team, like it's, it's tough.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then switching over to some soccer news and some stunning soccer news, mm-hmm. one of, if not the greatest football players, soccer players on the planet is coming stateside. Lionel Messi is joining yeah. joining, ma- about this. joining Major League Soccer and specifically Inter-Miami CF. Uh, so reading from an article on ESPN.com, it reads, quote, Lionel Messi will make a stunning move to Major League Soccer side uh, Inter-Miami CF after his departure from Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, the Argentine superstar announced Wednesday, uh, this being Wednesday last week. Messi made the announcement about his next club in an interview with Spanish publications Mundo uh, Deportivo and Sport. MLS later confirmed the proposed deal on social media. The 2022 World Cup winner was linked with a return to former club Barcelona as well as a possible move to Saudi Arabian club Al-Hilal, but ultimately decided to join co-owner David Beckham's Inter Miami in MLS. Quote, I have made the decision that I am going to Miami. I still don't have it agreed upon 100%, and a few things are needed. But, well, we decided to continue my path there, Messi said. After winning the World Cup and not being able to return to Barcelona, it was my turn to go to the League of the United States to live live football in another way and to enjoy the day-to-day more. Obviously, with the same responsibility and desire to play well and do things well as always, but in a calmer way, close quote. Sources confirmed to ESPN's Jeff Carlisle that terms include an option for part ownership of Inter Miami, but it would not be subsidized by the league as it was for Beckham in 2007. When Beckham moved to the LA Galaxy, he was given the option to purchase an MLS team for a discounted price of $25 million. ESPN also confirmed that a cut of revenue from new subscribers to Apple TV's MLS Season Pass streaming service was part of negotiations. Any agreement involving Messi and Adidas would strictly be between the player and the company and wouldn't directly involve MLS. Quote, we are pleased that Lionel Messi has stated he intends to join Inter Miami and Major League Soccer this summer, MLS said in a written statement. Although work remains to finalize a formal agreement, we look forward to welcoming one of the greatest soccer players of all time uh, to our league. Close quote. After Messi and Inter Miami made uh, their announcements, Barcelona wished the Argentina star the best luck in his new professional phase and said an offer was presented to Messi before Messi made the decision to move to MLS. Quote, Jorge Messi, the player's father and representative and former club president Juan uh, Laporta, uh, of the player's decision to join Inter Miami despite having been presented with a proposal from Barca in consideration of both the desire of both FC Barcelona and Lionel Messi for him to come once again where uh, Blue Angara, Barca said in a statement, uh, close quote. So, and I know the the Saudi Arabia thing was wild because reportedly he got an offer of like $1.6 billion to, yeah. go, to go play in Saudi Arabia. Turn that down, is going to go play in... The Major League Soccer down in Miami for how much? Not entirely sure. There's some numbers out there. Yeah. Which are all sorts of fucking wild. But you know who's making out real well in this? Fucking inner miami Yeah. Uh, because they now have the most social media followers of any made, uh, of any pro sport team in North America. That's wild. They have more followers. They they went from, like, 1 point whatever million to, like, last I looked was, like, 6.2, 6.3 million followers on social media. So they have more than every NFL team, NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball. Like, you name it, they've got more. It's absolutely insane. And then to top it all off, uh, ticket prices for uh, Inter-Miami games have gone up 1,000%. So another article says, quote, Lionel Messi's announcement that he plans to take his talents to South Beach sent prices for Inter-Miami tickets on the secondary market into the stratosphere on Wednesday as fans clamored for a chance to see the Argentine great play on U.S. soil. Ticket prices surged following reports early on Wednesday that he planned to join Major League Soccer, the Major League Soccer side, which he later confirmed. Messi's first game with the team could reportedly be on July 21st, when Inter Miami hosts Cruz Azul in its league, League's Cup opener in Fort Lauderdale. The lowest ticket, the lowest price for a ticket for that game on Tuesday was a mere $29, but on Wednesday the price rocketed to three hundred and twenty nine dollars a one thousand and thirty four percent jump according to tick pick on vivid seats the average tip price for of a ticket to the game with Cruz azul rose 205 percent from to 122 dollars on sunday to 373 dollars on wednesday uh so close quote so They're making out real well in this. This is fucking nuts.
0: Yeah, this is crazy. But this is what MLS needs. Yes. They need star power. Yeah, they do. And uh, bringing Messi over, like, uh, I know that the Beckham experiment, some say it didn't work, some say it did. It was a flash in the pan. There was some excitement, but it kind of quickly fizzled. Right. But you need to do that in the U.S. Yes. Like, that's the big thing. Like, you cannot sit there. And if you re- if you really really want to make a push mm-hmm. to make this into a big sport like it is all over the world, yeah, you got to spend the cash and look at the. I mean, short term this is huge. Yeah. Long term, I don't know. We'll see. But I don't blame them for doing
1: this. No, I don't. I don't either. I mean, and and from what I've read, every game that Inter Miami is going to be traveling on the road for is sold out. Yeah. Now who's going to be showing up to those games is kind of up for question because some people are obviously going to be selling those tickets on the secondary market and looking oh, to, sure, to make but. a fucking fortune but remains to it, regardless the, every game is going to be sold out and it's going to be absolutely fucking nuts to see
0: yeah i agree with you completely like, this is a smart move by them i don't fault them one bit and and
1: all of those home games are going to rival like a lakers home game in terms of star power that's going to be there
0: yeah i mean if if you're ever going to get this off the ground this is the smart move to do yeah. so and, and you know they got to cash in now like yeah I don't know how they got their deals for streaming and all that jazz, but like now is the time to really start shopping that around. Yeah,
1: well, uh, the, what I understand, I don't know how long the deal is, but they do have a streaming deal, a league pass deal with Apple TV.
0: Yeah, then Apple should be really capitalized about this, and oh, they should Apple's be gonna, blasting this everywhere.
1: Apple's going to be salivating.
0: Yeah, I can't blame them on that. Well, let us end this talking some hockey. Sure. Because I, I will say this. There, there's one really big story, and, and it's a feel-good one, I guess, if you will. And then there was something else that happened that we definitely have to mention. So we'll start with the quieter one first. Vegas, congratulations. You won the Stanley Cup.
1: Fucking what was it, like 9-3? to
0: 9-3 to three in the last game. Jesus Christ. Now, if you're new to the ODPH, well, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out and staying this long. We don't talk hockey unless it's involving the greatest franchise in all of NHL history. New York, new York Rangers. Exactly. So, we haven't talked about hockey since the Rangers egregiously left the playoffs on their own doing, though. But that's a whole different ball they of wax. De- they decided to leave. Yeah. But Vegas, who is literally the land of misfit toys, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. They're a franchise yeah. that just started a few years ago. The first year they were in the league. Five or six years ago. Yeah. The first year they were in the league, they went to the Stanley Cup. Yes. And this was like literally like the movie Major League, so to speak. Like They had all yeah. these players come together, never played together before, and like... Captured lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Vegas has always contended since. So kudos to their front office for, yeah. for keeping this together. And literally, they got to the finals against a Florida Panthers team that a year ago was the best team in the league. Yeah. Statistically. Yeah. And had one of the hottest goalies in the league at the time in Bravoski like carry them through. Like they upset the Boston Bruins. Right. And like they really looked like they were going to be the team. Vegas gets in this pl- playoff series. No fucks given. Exactly. First game, Golden Knights 5, Panthers 2. Yeah. Second game, Golden Knights 7, Panthers 2. Third game, Panthers win in overtime. Yeah. 3-2. to two, So yeah, yeah, can't fault yeah. them there. Yeah. Next game, Golden Knights 3-2. to two. And then we get to game five in Vegas. Jesus goddamn Christ. Nine to three. Uh, by the end of the first period, it was
1: two to nothing Vegas. Mm-hmm. By the end of the second period, it was six to one.
0: Yeah. Mark Stone hat trick. Yeah. Like, what is going on here? And Vegas, I mean, we don't, like we say, we don't talk about them a lot. They do have a very solid team. Riley yeah. Smith. Yeah. Jonathan Marshall Salt. And, I mean... Stone is also somebody that came up through the Ottawa system. So we do know him locally here. Yeah. yeah. And, a, and a few other people. Jack Eichel, too. Was, yeah. I, I completely forgot he was out there. Yeah. This team wound up doing the impossible and pulling it off. And Vegas now has a winning franchise. And I will say this mm-hmm. I love seeing this happen for Vegas. Yeah. Because. I've been watching like their pregame celebrations, and if like I say, Vegas is an amazing place. I, like, yeah. I recommend everyone should go there once in their life. It's a nonstop party, and they really made this feel like a party and yeah. celebration. Yeah. I know uh, Steve Iko, I believe, is the DJ. Yes, I yeah, so. he, he was he was doing a live thing out bef- before there, and like say you had that whole place rock. People were
1: lining. I saw the photo. People were lining up outside of the arena. Hours Mm -hmm. before game time in the hot Las Vegas weather. Yeah. Like, this ain't lining up in, you know, someplace cool or someplace, like, moderate in temperature. No, this is the fucking
0: desert. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Aoki. Yeah, he was getting everybody wound up. And, like I say, you see the video footage of this. Oh, yeah, it's nuts. And, like, people are just going crazy. And, like, this is what you need, especially for a town that, let's face it, you've now been gifted two franchises. You're getting a third. Yeah. You want to establish yourself as a winning sports town. Yeah. And it kind of, like I say, I love seeing this. I'm not hating on this one bit. Yeah. But it was just like nine to three.
1: I couldn't believe it because we left. So, peek behind the curtain. We left the recording for uh, Matt Groom and and Inferno Girl Red. And the score was two nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure, fine. I, you know, I got home, showered, had got my dinner together. And then I sat down and looked at the score, and it was six to one. And I went, What the fuck happened? Yeah. And then I did took care of some other stuff, and I turned, you know, I was watching the end of the Yankees Mets game because that was the wildest fucking game I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And I flip over to the hockey game, and it's not, and it, they fucking scored their ninth goal. I'm like, What the fuck is happening?
0: Yeah. It's crazy to think, but this is what Vegas does. Yeah. Like, they just turned it out at the right time. Florida just ran out of gas, and I, I don't fault them. Like, they scrapped to get where they were. This is not something that they had a very easy path, much like Miami in the NBA. But when you have a goalie that gets hot at the right time, it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And they carried them through. Like I said, the fact they got past Boston and how they did in one of the craziest finishes I've seen in a game.
1: Yeah, it's up there.
0: You know, kudos to them. But Vegas is just built different. And like I say, they pulled this off with, like, literally just a mesh of people just uh, you know a collage if you will yeah, just of yeah. just names just because Band
1: of misfit toys
0: yeah because you read them on on paper and like there's only a, a certain few that jump out as like a superstar but right there's
1: you know in it, theory it shouldn't work but they're winning a title
0: yeah it's just like it's all just like you know smushed together and like sure enough here, here it goes and yet they win so congratulations to them yeah i hope you enjoy the chip for one year because we got the bigger story to talk about. Yeah, we do. Pad, we have a new head coach for the New York Rangers. Yeah. Peter Laviolette mm-hmm. is coming to New York. Binghamton
1: Rangers hockey legend.
0: Yes. Peter L- Laviolette. Who has been well-versed in coaching in the NHL for over 20 years. Uh, we know him from the Capitals, the Flyers. He played here locally. And, yeah, he played here locally uh, when Binghamton had the AAA affiliate for the New York Rangers. So what's your reaction to this?
1: Uh, hey, happy to see somebody we're at least familiar with. Uh, seems like he's got a good coaching pedigree. Uh, you know, We'll see what happens.
0: Short-term, I think we're looking okay. Long-term... Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Like, listen, I, I, I like him as a coach, but sometimes... It just doesn't work. They signed him a three-year deal, so I think that's perfect for for what we need. So, yeah, I I think so. Coaching
1: can only get you so much. It's the pieces on the ice too.
0: Yeah, which I I think he will shake up that offense like they need to, in the right ways. Because obviously, this off season we got a little little work to do. But him and Drury kind of cleaned house. The GM and you know we'll kind of see what we have. But like I say, I I know with his track record in Philly, and I've already talked with Flyers fans. (laughs) As soon as that announcement hit, my DMs blew up, <laughs> uh, to put it mildly. And, and we all kind of had the same thing. Like Short-term, this is going to be good. Long-term, we'll, we'll wait and see, dot, dot, dot. But listen, I don't care about short-term because we have a short window to win. And next year, we're getting that cup. I'm not hearing anything otherwise. I'm getting really angry talking. See, this is why we don't talk hockey on here. This is true. Seriously, I can't be biased. I Everybody else, I'm really biased. Uh, you, can't, Even if, you can't be unbiased. Yeah, or unbiased. But it's not Rangers. I don't care. This is true. Seriously how we do this show. So that being said, uh, Vegas, enjoy the cup for a year. We'll see you next time. But before we leave the show, obviously for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at ODPHpodcast.com. That is it for the sports talk though. So for the one only, Padawan J, hit him with it. Mm-hmm. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parley Hour. See you next time. <laughs>
1: don't do the punch cause they can't bring